Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5. I hope that you are uh, as amazed as I am at how many occurrences there are of Christ in the Old Testament. It's fascinating to me uh, to see um, Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, we are in week four of this five-part series on Christophanies. A Christophany is an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. It should be no surprise to us that we see the second person of the Trinity, uh, considering the fact that he has eternally existed. He has always existed. The New Testament tells us that. The New Testament tells us that uh, he was, uh, everything that was created was created through him. Uh, so uh, he has a major role in history, and it should not surprise us. Uh, therefore, to see him. In fact, Colossians 1.15 tells us that he is the image of the invisible God. So we shouldn't be surprised. But as we, as we kind of wind down to week four and week five, uh, and we look at these, I, I don't want us to lose focus of our purpose, our goals. Our goals for this series are twofold. One is that just as those two on the road to Emmaus had their heart stirred because of how Jesus explained how the Old Testament pointed to him, I want our hearts to be stirred. I want us to read the scriptures, to see Jesus, and for him and the Holy Spirit to do something within us that stirs us. And then our second goal is simple, simply uh, to allow God's word to teach us. The apostle Paul said that the Old Testament, the law was our tutor to teach us, uh, to instruct us toward faith in Christ. So with that in mind, as that's our goals, I, I hope and I pray that, that in some way that this series has been helpful to you and your faith, and I hope that it has stirred something within your heart. John Chrysostom was a fourth century preacher in Syria, and he once said, and I quote, you are but a poor soldier of Christ if you think you can overcome without fighting. And suppose you can have a crown without the conflict. His words are very relevant for us as Christians, recognizing that Jesus himself said, in this world you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer, he has overcome the world. So we're in a battle. When I look around the world today, it's hard for me to keep up with all that's going on. From, from it just seems like the world has just flipped to a, a, a crazy side and uh, things are upside down. And as I consider that and I think about the, the battle that we're in and the spiritual warfare that we're in and all the things that we're dealing with, Ephesians 2 says that we are in a battle with the world, with the flesh, our own flesh, as well as the devil himself. So we are in a battle on multiple fronts. 
I mean, we not only just have a world that we're at, 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 at war with, we even struggle with our own flesh, our own sinful desires. Not to mention the fact that the devil is seeking whom he may devour. But as we look in our scriptures today, we're going to find some encouraging words. Israel's victory at Jericho provides us with three principles of spiritual warfare. Now, before we jump into our focal passage, which is actually going to be Joshua chapter 6, I want us to consider a little bit of Joshua chapter 5, a little bit of the background, if you will, and to understand that this is, this is where Jesus shows up. So Joshua chapter 5, let's look at verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have, I have now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to, uh, to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, Let's go back and look at one little thing. I, again, I was just sharing this with Cheryl. And this is one of those, th those things that I find humorous. Have you noticed so far that, about Jesus that he has a tendency to ask, first of all, ask questions that he already knows the answer to? I mean, he does that. He does it in the New Testament, and he's done it, as we've seen clearly, from the Old Testament. But he also does something else. When he is asked a question, Jesus, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, has a tendency not to answer the question that was, that was proposed. He either gives a, a different answer or answers the question with a question of his own. Now, let's look back. This is, to me, I find humor in this. Joshua went to him and said to him, are you for us? or for our adversaries. So he said, no. <laughs> wait, 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 what? That wasn't a yes or no question, right? That was not a yes or no question. That wasn't a, a uh, hey, do you, do you like us? Uh, do, you, do you like our adversary? No, it wasn't a yes or no response that Joshua was looking for. Are you for us or are you for the adversaries? No. There is incredible humor in Jesus' response of just saying no. Uh, one that doesn't answer the question at all. But then, in a way, it does. It's, it's almost like he's saying... Uh, Joshua, you're asking the wrong question. You know, uh, are, you, are you for us? Are you for us or for them? It, it's almost as if he's saying, no, yeah, you, you got the question wrong. Why? Jesus 
is for both. He is for humanity. It's not that he's coming in, and and he's certainly going to be with Joshua, and he's certainly uh, going to give him instruction, but Jesus is neither, uh, or should I say that he is for them, but he's not against them. He is the commander of the army of the Lord. In other words, he, he, is, he is a rank well above them. It's almost to say, are, are you part of our army or are you part of their army? Jesus is saying, no, I've got my own. I've got my own. And that's when Joshua realized who he was. That's when Joshua fell on his face to the earth, worshipped him. And those are clues, those are instances that let us know that this is not just an appearance of some random person. This is not an appearance of an angel. Because it would be very inappropriate for Joshua to fall on the face of the earth and worship this person if it were an angel. Because we're never instructed to worship angels. It would be very inappropriate if this were just another man who was a military commander of some other fleet for him to fall on his face and worship him. In fact, that would be, that would be very uh, completely in opposition of what the Lord would want. This is none other than Christ himself, the commander of his own army. And he tells Joshua some instructions. Joshua chapter 5, in a nutshell, is to be prepared for battle, we must make sure that our people are spiritually ready. If you're going to face a spiritual warfare, if you're going to face a battle of some sort, then you need to be spiritually ready. Not just one or two of you, not just the leaders, not just Joshua and and his immediate circle, but everyone. In fact, this in Joshua chapter 5, this is the moment that all of God's people who had come through the wilderness, these are young people who uh, were even born at a time where they were born in wandering of the wilderness and had never been circumcised. So all of the men were circumcised and it was a picture, it was a symbol of reminding them of the covenant relationship that they have with God. And now that they're reminded of this covenant relationship, now they are spiritually ready to take on the battle ahead of them. J. Hudson Taylor was a Christian missionary to China in the 1800s. And he said there's three ways that you can prepare for the Lord's work. In fact, you know, Matt and Shay and I were just talking about this yesterday, right? Uh, there's, there's ways that you can prepare. One, one way that you can prepare is you can, you can make plans and you can say, all right, I've made some plans and now I'm going to execute these plans to the best of my ability. That's J, J. Hudson Taylor. That was the first thing that he said. You could do that. Make some plans and execute it to the best of your ability. He said, or a second option is that you make some plans and then you go before the Lord and you say, Lord, I dedicate these plans to you. Would you bless them? 
and then you execute that plan to the best of your ability with the desire that God would bless those plans. But Jay Hudson Taylor said there's a third option. And the third option is to go before the Lord and say, Lord, what are your plans? What are your plans? And adopt his plans as your own and then execute those to the best of your ability. I really like Hudson Taylor's suggestion for how to execute a plan. If we just simply go before the Lord first and say, Lord, what are your plans? What is, what is it that you want to do? Well, it's this third approach that Joshua follows. It's the third approach that Joshua not only implements, it's this third ap- approach that we too should seek to adhere to.